In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mark face evil's might. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bogleman. I'm Mark Marble. And I'm Jim Ford. <laughs> and this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 319. That's right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> God, can we never get a straight performance out of this guy? <laughs> this is his straight performance. Listen, we, we all know that's not, that's not what anybody wants. <laughs> Oh Jesus! So uh, tonight, <laughs> tonight we're talking about some news and uh, some uh, some trailer talk, mostly just because we still don't want to talk about that space dating app. <laughs> oh God! Uh, at least, at least Chad's honest enough to to admit that. Not that I want to do it either. I mean, but I was willing to do it this week just to get it over with, and and Chad really didn't want to, and I'm sure he wasn't going to fight him to do it because I don't really care either. And the good news, the good news about not doing it this week means is we won't be doing it next week either because next week will be Infinity War. <laughs> That's right. In fact, we may skip. We we may do half of the uh, Dark Stars <coughs> arc before we even do that arc of Green of Green Lanterns because you people have not given us your your reviews or recaps like we asked. That'll be your penance. We, we, we'll, we'll never do it now. See. <laughs> <laughs> it'll become one of the it'll become one of those things where you're like you guys should talk about threshold. I was just gonna say that I was gonna say this becomes threshold too, except we were willing to do it or we were willing to do an episode about it. We didn't want to do it ourselves, but you guys had your chance and you blew it. <laughs> I listened to it. Listen to what? The threshold. Oh yeah, the threshold was fine. The threshold arguably might be more entertaining to do than. Than this, than the, the dating app stuff. I mean, which what is the what is the name of the superhero dating app? Oh God, what is it again? Caper. Yes, Caper. Good. Ugh, Caper. God, yeah. that's awful. <laughs> yeah, that definitely is shaping up to be Sealy's worst arc. Uh, I, I mean, I, like conceptually, I I don't have anything against it, and you guys made the uh, the first couple of parts sound pretty interesting. But I mean no, the just the the term caper. That's that's what I take issue with. No, I think to be honest, I think the first two parts were a little easier to make interesting. I think the last <laughs> to, to me the last two issues were a little Again, this happens once in a while that I'll get an, I'll get like a couple of issues and go, "Why well, these are really horrible when I first kind of skim through them." And then when I actually go back and have to reread them for the show, then I realize, "Okay, it wasn't so bad." These two issues fall into that category where until I reread them, I think th- I think they're horrible. <laughs> Maybe when I reread them, I think they'll they'll be passable. But to me, they're worse than the first two parts. 
And that's so I'm more than happy that Chad <laughs> uh, it, he used his executive authority to say, let's not do that this time. <laughs> executive authority. I don't know what the hell are you talking about? Hey, don't let it go out. Of, don't let it get to your head. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was that was your one veto for the year. <laughs> but the good news is, watch this segue. Jim's but the here. good news is, if you but the good news is, if you don't like that story arc, things will be changing very soon because <laughs> <laughs> because uh, one bit of news we're covering tonight is that with issue number fifty one, right? Or is it fifty? I think it's fifty. Uh, fifty. Dan Jurgens is taking over the writing chores over on the Green Lanterns title. And I'm pretty sure... I know Mark likes him. Uh, Jim, you were reading Superman titles for a long time, too. You're a big fan of Dan Jurgens as well, right? Yeah, he's probably my favorite writer. Yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, like, I, it's, it's kind of a toss-up between him and Jeff Johns. Like, those two are the tops for me. Did he write, because I didn't read it in its entirety, I maybe read like one or two issues, did he write the Booster Gold series? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I would say for me, when they when we got that announcement and the solicits about that, which did kind of come out of the blue, because we didn't even know Seeley was, was leaving, not that we're complaining, but we didn't really think he was going anywhere anytime soon, since he hasn't been on the book that long. I would have to say honestly, the the announcement of Jorgens getting, even though I would prefer him to get, and we'll be, this will segue us later on. While I still would prefer Jorgens to have gotten the main Green Lantern book instead of dealing with Jessica and Simon, re, regardless of that, this is the most exciting news for me as far as a creator being assigned to a Green Lan- Green Lantern book since John's left. Which doesn't mean we didn't have some good ones. Obviously, we had Soul was really good on Red Lanterns. And we know Bun was great on Sinestro once they started that book, but we didn't know how good they were going to be when they when they were given those books or assigned those books. And, and you know, I, we weren't. I don't think we were like super pumped when we found out. Oh, may have been interested in the Sinestro series, but I don't know how we necessarily thought it was or suspected how it was going to go. But Jorgen's taking over one of these books. Yeah, that's probably that's absolutely the most excited I've been for. So let's see, with, even with it being so focused on Simon and Jessica for now. That's the most excited I've been, certainly, since the end of the Johns era in the New 52. Yeah, it'll be issue number 50, written by Dan Jurgens, art and cover by Mike Perkins, which is a name I'm not familiar with, uh, and variant cover by Chris Stevens. Now, the solicit for it's on sale uh, July 4th, I think. Um, it's, uh, the solicit says something is amiss. That's what the Guardians believe. But even they cannot see the darkness growing inside the central power battery, an infection, one that will have enormous repercussions within the entire Green Lantern Corps. Making matters worse, in light of recent events, Jessica Cruz questions her place within the Green Lantern Corps, contemplating leaving it behind. And her partner, Simon Baz, is stung so much by her confession, he may let her go. And then Green Lantern's 51 uh, solicit. A murderer stands within the GLC's ranks as tension rises between Simon and Jessica. The rings seem to say the other committed the crime. Please let Simon be guilty, please! (laughs) 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 Execution, the only just punishment! So those are the solicits. Uh, What's interesting is 
for some reason, issue 50 is larger. Um, it's 40 pages for 3.99, and issue 51 is 32 pages for 2.99. Well, it's the 50th issue. Well, yeah, I'm just saying, you know, it, 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 will it be a bigger story? Will there be some extra content? You know, so on and so forth. Yeah, that's true. It could be there could be a backup story in it or or something. But yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, I, I'm kind. Of, I mean, this, maybe it's because I know it's Jurgens doing it. Maybe the solicit makes me a little more interest. I think I'd be interested in that premise regardless who, of who was writing it. I just have greater hopes because it's Jurgens writing it. And I hope he's. And I hope obviously this is not like a brief moment in time when he gets this book because I know Myron over on on his uh, on the blog. Kind of like for speculating, though he admitted, I think it was pure speculation that maybe Jurgens is just a stopgap, that he's just, that he's not going to be, either they're going to relaunch that book, or maybe they're going to relaunch both books, and then they're going to be, you know, the, the names might change, and then the, you know, the characters being dealt with might change, and thus maybe Jurgens won't be carried over to one of them. I really hope that's not true. Even if they're going to relaunch, uh, if they're going to relaunch, then I still hope that Jurgen stays on one of the books. Cause that, because that would be, again, it would certainly be a step in the right direction as far as getting big names, high-profile writers on Green Lantern to, who at least have some background, a little bit of background at least with these characters, even if it's, you know, on the, uh, like, perfunctory kind of a relationship with him regularly that certainly based on what we've had I mean we haven't had a lot of that in uh, even since John's left really we haven't had a lot of experienced Green Lantern writers or with the mythology who have been writing these books so and certainly not prominent names so if we've gotten so maybe maybe it means they're shifting their focus for whatever reason is up for debate but maybe it means they're realizing that you know this 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 ship is sinking pretty fast we need to do everything we can to like raise the titanic yeah i was curious uh because you know this isn't the first time jurgens has written something green lantern related nope. yeah i'm looking at you zero hour um but uh i haven't read a ton of jurgens you know i've i've read quite a bit of it um but not as much as you guys. So are there certain types of stories you've come to expect from Jurgens that you would expect him to write on a Green Lantern's title? Or is this just two new characters, new to Jurgens, new to the DCU in general for the most part, and it's sort of a coin toss as to what sort of story he'd be writing? Well, I mean, right off the bat, I would, I would have expected a time travel story, but that's probably not going to happen. Since there was one that happened so recently, right. yeah, that's true. That's a possibility. I see what, what could have what could have been cool, and I guess they could still do it, but it'd be a little soon. Since uh, if you read Action Comics, what not what not nine ninety nine, right? Because they just did a thousand, right? The thousand yeah. was that they kind of did bring Cyborg Superman, which was kind of a weird way to bring him to bring him out of the the Phantom Zone and the logic behind it. I understood kind of where Superman was going with it, but you know that's just asking for trouble. But if not for the fact that Cyborg Superman seemingly is is incapacitated for the, the near future, you would think this would be a golden opportunity to bring Cyborg Superman back into the Green Lantern titles because of the fact that uh, Jurgens has obviously a lot of ties to Cyborg Superman. Yeah. And, it would, and it would kind of be a kind of an homage to, you know, with the reign of the Superman, too. I guess if I had to suspect the one thing Jurgens might do, which, uh, I mean, both Seeley and 
and uh, Humphreys did it a little bit in Green Lanterns, was kind of like go back and mine some of the background of Green Lantern mythology. But I would, I would, I would c- kind of suspect that we'll be, maybe we'll see a little bit more return to things that we maybe we we know we know about Green Lantern mythology that may, maybe haven't been played up a lot lately. Uh, I don't know necessarily. I'm nothing's coming to mind in particular where he will go. Though obviously, I'd love to see him. He would be a good one to bring Parallax back because other than Mars, he's the only one who knows how to write him. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Classic parallax. That would be awesome, especially if if uh, there are no real plans to bring that character back in the Hal Jordan book. Then that would be cool. Uh, but I would just—that's what I guess I would just kind of suspect that Jurgens would kind of go back and and kind of like take some elements of the Green Lantern mythos before, maybe even stuff that he is familiar with, and just kind of like kind of like re- reintroduce it, like which he did quite effectively in Action Comics, bringing back a lot of the. A lot of the, you know, and it was easy for him to do so because it was a, a lot of the things he, the elements he was bringing back were from basically his era of writing Superman to begin with, with the Eradicator and the Doomsday and Cyborg Superman and things like that. But every, but his run on Action Comics was really, really good. And I know a lot of people are pumped about the Bendis thing, but the, when I heard he was leaving Action Comics, that just made me sad. <laughs> but. Yeah, because that was a pretty good run of Action Comics oh, there for a little was, bit. In all honesty, I think I think, and we said it on the show before. My opinion is, since since DC Rebirth, that Action Comics was a much better book to read than any of the Green Lantern books so far. Even though there have been some good moments in the Green Lantern books since the Rebirth era, the reality is that from you know issue in issue out, I think the Jurgens run on Action Comics was far superior, month to month. Oh, I mean issue to issue, since it's twice a month, but. Uh, and that sort of leads us into our next bit of news, official news. Uh, Scott Snyder, as everybody knows, has been doing some cool things with DC Metal, uh, which recently wrapped up. But we know that the Justice League No Justice uh, miniseries stuff will be taking place, which is supposedly, if I understand the various solicits and articles about it right, is supposedly various teams out to explore the new side of the DC multiverse that uh, DC Metal uncovered. And after that, there will be two Justice League titles. One, a Justice League Dark book, and the other, a Justice League book. And Scott Snyder will be writing that uh, that new Justice League book with a new roster. Uh, most mo- Mostly the same roster, but uh, a new addition will be Green Lantern in the form of Jon Stewart. And it looks like that when that uh, issue number three rolls around, written by Scott Snyder, with art and cover by uh, Jorge Jimenez and variant cover by Jim Lee and Scott Williams. I'll read the solicit here. John Stewart, Ultraviolet Lantern? <laughs> Believe it. Under the influence of the ultraviolet spectrum, John Stewart engages in some ultraviolence against his teammates Flash, Wonder Woman, and Aquaman. Meanwhile, the rest of the league investigates the scene of the fallen source wall fragment and encounters not only a horde of giant monsters, but a pair of longtime arc enemies using stolen atom technology to literally get under their skin. Best to stock up on cortisone for that sort of itch. All this and the turtle? Yep. So yeah, Jon Stewart, Ultraviolet Lantern. They're in- introducing a... Well, first of all, should we just focus on the fact that Jon Stewart's going to be joining the, J- the Justice League? Before we move into the ultraviolet stuff, 
Yeah, I think we could talk it for a few minutes, uh, at least a few minutes on on that. Uh, it's certainly a. Now, what's the what's the deal? Is 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 Jessica's on the other team, right? Uh, Jessica, I don't know about the other team. I'm I'm still looking into the. You're talking about Justice League Dark. I thought she was. I thought she was on on one of the. I'm pretty sure she's still on one, in one of the Justice League titles. If it's if it's if she's in a Justice League title, it's got to be on Justice League Dark. Oh, uh, the second new title is Justice League Odyssey. That's the one. Yes. Uh, Cyborg, led by Cyborg, Odyssey will also feature Jessica Cruz, Asriel, and Starfire as they team up with Darkseid. Uh, and there's a picture of... Oh, no, that's Asriel's new costume. That's weird. Right, because it's not, it's, not it's not the classic Asriel, right? It's still the... The yeah, he's, Jean, John, he's, John Paul. He, he looks like a golden-clad Batman with a flaming sword. So maybe they're trying to split the difference. Like he's got the he's got the cowl ears and everything. Yeah, because it's an interesting uh, lineup there. Yeah. <laughs> no, that doesn't sound like one that's going to last very long. No, I would suspect not. I think that they're probably counting on the whole dark side thing to uh, maybe draw people in. I'll probably read that just because Jessica Cruz and I'm, I'm always a big fan of at least trying wherever Starfire goes. So, eh, I might give I might I might try the first issue, but uh, it's one of those things where I see. I'm certainly not going to be reading two Justice two Justice League books for any lengthy period of time. So, not that I suspect I'll be reading the other one for long either. I'll probably just read it as long as they're doing that ultraviolet stuff. Mostly because we'll talk about it on the show, but other than, <laughs> but other than that, I mean, but ju- but back to the main, we kind of was going off on that uh, Jessica Cruz tangent. It, it is kind of cool to have John Stewart back on the on the Justice League. I know some people will be upset because it's been a while since you know Hal's really been part of the you know main Justice League again since it's been Jessica and Simon going back since since the you know the end of the New Fifty Two, but. I think the bigger the bigger ramifications are how that's going to affect the other you know his role in in the how in the core book no matter how that book ends up being reshaped how it affects John's role in the Green Lantern Corps and whether he is not going to be you know the leader anymore. I mean, he would have to not be right. We I mean, it's not so like DC. It's not. It's not like D- DC hasn't done this before, where you know one character's sort of headlining two different books at the same time but at this uh, yeah i don't know it just doesn't make a lot of sense you're you mean like right now you have how much how many issues before before that comes out i didn't it's uh i forget the solicit date but all of this seems to be hitting right around summer so does that come out the same week as odyssey or in the same time because odyssey comes out on 7-eleven so if they're coming around the same time frame, you have to assume it's like it's either a week before or a week after, if not the same. So on sale July fourth, the same time as the fiftieth issue of Green Lanterns. Okay. I mean, like yeah. they could very easily write it off that like after uh, what is it the, the Manhunters story? Not not Manhunters. Dark the, um, Dark Stars. After that, something happens where you know he's just completely pissed off and he's like. <laughs> screw this, I'm going back home for a while to get away from this, somebody else deal with it. Oh, so more like a leave of absence instead of, like, I quit, I'm now no longer the no longer the leader of the Corps? Yeah, well, I mean, even with uh, the Guardians coming back, like, 
he was he was kind of like I don't really want to run the core, and they're like, well, we still want you around though, you know, like that's that's not a huge jump from you know we want you around to um, I'm just not gonna be around. And, and and plus, I think it's also if you're looking at some of the some of the conflicts that have been going on in, the, in the, like the last few issues alone, I think he's kind of like in a he's in a tough spot because he's not thrilled with the Guardians being back entirely either. But he need, he wants to give them a chance, and he understands why other members of the core don't want to don't want to deal with the Guardians. But yet he's you know he's kind of putting pressure on them, you know, to deal. So he's he's like he's in a middleman position. So you could understand well after if. You know, if the tensions keep rising on both sides in, you know, playing devil's advocate, uh, that that could just be enough for him to at least want to you know, st- step away for a while and just let, you know, let somebody else deal with it. So the question is, who the hell would it be? That would be the interesting part, because you assume it's not, because you, you, she would assume they're not going to make it Hal again. Uh, and it's, and <laughs> it would be cool if it was Guy, but you don't really see that happening. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think that there's going to be somebody in that role. It's just going to be the Guardians again. Yeah. And just, and, and My just, question is more, what's what's going to happen with Simon? Because like, if you have Jessica on Justice League Odyssey, and Simon's not on that team, and he's not on this other Justice League team, I mean, like, are they kind of gearing up to do something to either take him off the board or put him... You know, throw him into the the Green Lantern Corps title. That is, I know there is some speculation. Maybe for some people, it's more wishful thinking than speculation. But I think that's what some people are speculating, especially if the, especially if they do a complete relaunch for both for for, for both Green Lantern books. Uh, they basically go back to giving you know the main Green the one book called the Green Lantern or whatever it goes back to being the Hal book, and then maybe the second book is dealing with the core or so maybe maybe focus more on maybe focus more on Guy and uh, and Kyle or whatever. Well, I don't know. Well, well, we would have to see. I I would mind if I mean I wouldn't I would like it more if 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 I would like to have Hal separated from the core, not as in a conflict of interest. I mean just in his own book, and then have most of the core still in their own book. But I would mind if Jessica was a if Jessica was in the, the Hal book, at least a, not necessarily every issue. But a decent amount of the time is learning from Hal because she, she seems to have a, if not necessarily a crush, but she seems to have you know be have full on respect for Hal. That I think that would be a cool part. That would be a partnership. I'd be that would be worth. I think that, that would be more interesting to read from my from my perspective. And then you still have, and then at least you have like the best of the best technically with 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 you know with with the raw with the raw recruit who has a lot of talent. So that would kind of be a cool teaming to see. So I would I would. I don't. Yeah. Uh, I, I think like that's too obvious. Um, and, and I don't think it's really much in Hal's character. I think that if they were going to team somebody up, you know, like take you know, Simon and Jess, Jessica have been together for, you know, a decent amount of time now. I say split them up. Puts put Simon in the in the the cores title, so you could actually read stories about him with other Green Lanterns, with the other Earth, you know, Guy Lanterns and things like that, and show that dynamic, and put Guy in the Jessica book, and have Guy be like the guy that Jessica does not 
naturally look up to who is still going to teach her things that she doesn't realize anyway. And, you know, have Guy learn from her also, whatever. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be fine with that because since they do, they do have, they do have a relationship from back when, you know, during the training arc and, and, uh, and yeah, they, they are not, they're just natural. They don't fit together, you know. It's like more like oil and water that they're not nat, they're not natural fits. But yeah, I, I, I would like that. I mean, I like I like Guy is such a good character right now that I I wouldn't care if Guy was you know co-starring in any Green Lantern book at this point. So and I like Jessica enough where I'm I would be fine with her co-headlining a Green Lantern book, just not with friggin' Simon because Simon does not really Simon is the one who doesn't deserve to be leading a book. So, put him in core. Maybe that can re- rehabilitate Simon Baz a little bit too, and and let yeah team whether it's whether it's Kyle and Jess and Jessica, whether it's Guy and Jessica, just do some do something. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, like I think I also think Jessica would be good on her own. Like I, you know, I like if they just made that a solo book and let her kind of, you know try and sink or float on her own uh i mean i think that would be interesting to see i i wouldn't i wouldn't put her with kyle um i would definitely take her away from simon and and like i said you know guy i think would be the the logical story idea choice i agree with that i think that makes a lot of sense yeah uh, I, I don't, I, I don't disagree with any either of those. But one thing I wanted to ask, specific to the news we were talking about in terms of uh, John Stewart joining the Justice League, before we move on to this whole ultraviolet thing, do we think? I mean, because obviously, when you say John Stewart in the Justice League, you're bringing back memories of the Justice League animated series. But do you think that vibe is really going to accompany it, or do you think it's going to be something else entirely? Because, I mean, John has, I mean, I, I, I've been saying over the years that people who write John define him based on the things that happened to him, you know, Zan Shi and Kat Matui and so on and so forth, rather than building his own personality. Uh, but still, um, I kind of feel like a lot has happened to him over the years since the Justice League uh, animated series. So do you think him joining the team will recapture some of that, or do you think it'll be something completely different I would lean towards different because that's been a you think about it that's been a long time since the animated series I I have to imagine that you know Scott Snyder given his age he was probably influenced by that cartoon so I mean like I don't know how closely he's following the characterization of John these days, I think that you're probably going to get a, at least a healthy dose of, of uh, Justice League animated John Stewart in this. Okay. I was expecting it because it, it just seems weird to throw John in to that team without expecting at least some of that sort of feel to leak over. Yeah, I, I think it's a. I think it's something smart to go for. And the other side of the coin is the fact that we're getting introduced to a new power, uh, a yeah. new color, 
the Ultraviolet Lantern. We know nothing about it. The solicit does say ultraviolence, but it could just be a pun. Just the way the, that entire solicit is worded could just be them being smart um, rather than referring to the actual power of the color or the emotion itself. Um, so, but this is supposedly coming over from the DC Metal story. This is coming from the Dark Multiverse. This particular power. Do we expect anything out of it? Are we now on the side of the coin of people like sick of the emotional spectrum and we don't need more colors? Or how do we feel about all this? I think it depends what they what they do with it. I think. I think it depends how they how it's explained and how and what the power is and what 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 they do with it. I mean, I mean, I obviously I'm definitely have never been anti emotional spectrum though. Obviously, they've been dragging, they've been kind of like pushing pushing it, you know, pushing the envelope over the last few years with the universal ring and the phantom ring and things like that. Even though they've not not so much the phantom ring. I kind of like the phantom ring. The universal ring was kind of screwy. But then again, the Planet of the Apes story was kind of screwy. <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, I think it. I think it depends on what they what they do with it. I, that, and so, am, am I excited about it? No, I'm really not. I'm not. I wasn't excited. Oh, it's another new color. So, especially since there've been so many. There's so many parts of the emotional spectrum that they've kind of haven't really touched in a long time. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, because it's kind of it's kind of like when it comes to like the Indigo Tribe. Because we haven't seen the Indigo Tribe probably in the regular Green Lantern or the HAL title, any real Green Lantern book in years now. That was just a Sinestro book, I think, in Stupid uh, Lobo, where he showed up. Well, they showed up last. But if they show, but if they showed up now, the Indigo Tribe in like the first issue of whoever gets the new the new Green Lantern book or whatever it's called, people would still complain just because some people are emotional spectrumed out or they just hate Jeff Johns, and that's just kind of like kind of like the way it is. So I think to so I'm not again. I'm not against. I'm not against you know any new color or a new power, but it really will depend on what they do with it because it could it could it could kind of get old. Jim, what about you? How do you feel about it? Because when we when I first said ultraviolet lantern, I heard you kind of kind of <laughs> snicker in the background. So how do you feel yeah. about all this? Uh, well, yeah, it's like uh, I mean I like the emotional spectrum. I like the concept of more of the emotional spectrum but uh, to me it just kind of seems like the thing where if it's actually fleshed out and given like a logical and I, and I mean you know I granted it's comic book so logical uh, is uh, relative but I mean like if it makes sense in the story then I'm a hundred percent for it and if it's just the kind of thing where, like, they write about it, and then it's like, yeah, it's just, you know, it's the ultraviolet spectrum, and it's going to give you, you know, enhanced abilities, and it's all evil, and that's the extent of it, then it's like, well, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't relate to the actual emotional spectrum. It's just kind of something you're trying to, like, tack on, you know, for the sake of this one story at the detriment of, you know, the uh, emotional spectrum lore. And, you know, like, it's kind of like the, like, the Paling and the God Killers, like, that whole, that, there's the same concept. They're basically, like, the same thing. Where they have, like, this mysterious energy that's never defined, which, 
is kind of like its own energy, but since it's never actually like fleshed out, it's just kind of nothing. It might as well be magic, but it's not magic. Yeah, I, I admit when I when I saw it, I rolled my eyes. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. I definitely rolled my eyes when I saw it. I was like, oh god, okay. Because I feel like the the emotional spectrum now we that we have right now is in balance. It makes sense when you add some, like like what what Jim said. Like when you add something else, it needs to make sense because the emotional spectrum from black to white and you know the seven colors in between it makes sense. You know, the further away you get from center, the more it takes you over. Each emotion is almost polar opposites of each other on the other end of the spectrum. I mean. It, it just sort of sinks and all makes sense. But when you start adding to that, it's like, okay, but does it make sense within the cohesiveness of what we already know? The same, the same reason, the same reason I, I look at things like uh, and, and say things like, we we need a Green Lantern Bible. Do we need like a set group of rules for the Green Lantern Corps and the stories that are told about it that you know make sense? Yes, but does it have to be so rigid that they can't do something new? No. But it has to make sense somehow within the confines of what we already know. Otherwise, yeah. you're just throwing shit at the wall, and it's just like, did the did the readers like that? Okay, then I guess it was a success. <laughs> like, it's one thing if we like it. It's also another thing if we like it and it makes sense. <laughs> and so, yeah. That's, yeah. I, but I think I think throwing the curveball of the DC metal side of things in there. Is is something that intrigues me because I did de- read DC Metal, I did enjoy it. The idea of a dark multiverse where everything is sort of doomed is uh, is interesting. It's just another corner of the multiverse to explore. So I'd be curious to see what sort of lantern powers manifest in that world. We never really got like a true like a hundred percent like logical explanation about what happened to the Dawnbreaker, like how Bruce did that with that power what was inherent about the lanterns from that universe that allowed Bruce to do that. Um, so, I mean, there's still some unexplored lantern concepts on, you know, that side of the looking glass, for lack of a better metaphor. But um, I don't know. It, there, there's, I think that's kind of the problem with doing it from the DC metal. There's almost an inherent built in reason for if part of it doesn't make sense, you're just like, well, it's it's the dark multiverse. That's why. <laughs> so <laughs> it's magic. It doesn't have to make sense. <laughs> so that's that's part of something that bothers me. But I, again, I there's some there was some I, I mentioned it on Twitter. Some people were like, uh, "Yeah, we don't need this." I, I, I'm I'm going to give it a shot. I'm not writing it off yet until I read it. But I did when I initially saw the news. I was like, my eyes rolled for a second. <laughs> I have to admit that. Yeah, well, the other thing is, like, you know, you have the visual spectrum, which is like, okay, we're going to put emotions tied to visible colors that people can see. Okay, in and of itself, it is a crazy thing. But, I mean, you've already been reading Green Lantern, so this just kind of builds on that. Now, if you're going to go with ultraviolet, does that mean that there's also an infrared lantern? Are there, you know, like cosmic rays lanterns and microwave, you know, lanterns and uh, FM frequency lanterns? Like, that's the thing. Like, 
you know, if if you're just gonna like tack this stuff on, then who's to say that the other stuff, you know, isn't also something? Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, all right, moving on to the next bit of let's call it rumors instead of news. In the midst of all of this, it comes out from Bleeding Cool. And they say that they've got a couple of different sources from various meetings that they believe it's, while not confirmed, everything but. Supposedly, iconic comics writer Grant Morrison is going to be taking over the writing duties after Robert Venditti leaves the book. Does that mean that the book is still titled Hal Jordan the Green and the Green Lantern Corps and Grant Morrison takes over with issue 51? Or is it relaunched as another title? We don't know. Uh, and we don't even have any confirmation that Grant Morrison will be writing the book. But while we normally don't report very much on or, or talk very much about, you know, unconfirmed rumors on this show because, you know, very unconfirmed, somebody of the caliber of Grant Morrison coming to the title, especially when both titles are sort of floundering sales-wise, is definitely worth conversation. So... If Grant Morrison comes onto the book, whether it's relaunched or stays the same after Robert Venditti leaves, what do you guys think we're in for? Go ahead, Jim. <laughs> okay. Now, as much as I love Dan Jurgens, this is the kind of thing where I am probably a little bit more excited about, just because, like, Knowing what Grant Morrison brings to the table, like, yeah, okay, he he definitely can write a good superhero story, and he can also write some like really crazy new ideas. Like he'll he'll throw anything at the wall, you know, that's never been done before, just because it's never been done before. So I mean, like, I. I'm intrigued, like, very much so, because this is the kind of thing where, like, he'll pick some, you know, random lantern that we've either never seen before, or we've seen in background shots for, like, you know, 50 years, and, you know, like, he'll work out a whole mythos about this guy, and this this lantern will be doing things that you've never seen a lantern do before. You know, and like, like Grant, Grant Morrison can take a character that you've never, you know, given a second thought to and make him a star of a book, you know, that everybody cares about. Like, I am, I'm, I'm totally excited if this actually happens. And, and also having him on the core book with all the Green Lanterns at his disposal is absolutely the way to go. I am, like I said, I'm more enthused about Jorgens. I like the fact that it is a, you know, obviously it is a huge writer to get. Um, I, to me, Morrison has been hit or miss. I mean, I, I like when he did Justice League. I mean, I, I like that. There were some cool stories there. Final Crisis still makes me want to bang my head against the wall. Uh, I hated, I hated every five, every, that entire story with every fiber of my being, it was so, it seemed like it was so weirdly put together and it just, compared to Infinite Crisis, which I thought was so good, Final Crisis was like, ugh. So I, I'm not as, you know, I'm not as, yay, 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 Morrison as a lot of people are, but 
I'm certainly willing to give it a shot. I'm certainly think that I, I I'm, I'm certainly would be much more enthused. I'm even without being the ultimate Morrison guy. I'm still, it's still like I said, this ranks right up there with the you know if you combine the Jurgens news with if this becomes true the Morrison news, this is absolutely the biggest uh like tagged you know the biggest create creators that have come to come to Green Lantern since the Johns era and I mean the early part of the Johns era then. So, and arguably at the time, you could make a case that this was, based on wh- where Johns was then compared to what he became, you could still make a case that they, this is still bigger for who they are right now than even Johns was at that time. But yeah, I, I wanted it to be true. I mean, obviously it, it would continue to feed the fire that they're spending more, they're putting much more of an effort into trying to build Green Lantern back up again, whether it's related to a story that's coming in particular or whether they or they or they or they want to build Green Lantern back up to when it gets because then then they feel more comfortable doing bigger stories related to the DCU, not because they already know they are. Either way, I think it certainly means that they're dedicate that they seem this would seem to be a commitment from DC that they want to build Green Lantern, make Green Lantern great again. That they want to make Green Lan- <laughs> that they want to make Green Lantern at least so, close to what it was, if you know, if possible to what it was during. At least the end of the Johns era, if not the the golden age of the Johns era, because Lord knows from a from a overall certainly from an enthusiasm and from a sales perspective, we are completely on the opposite end of the spectrum. All pun intended. <laughs> well, your two different polar reactions brings up kind of a question I asked in response to the question: Will uh, Grant Morrison take over the title? Which Grant Morrison do we get? I mean, because for every Final Crisis, we can turn around and say the new 52 action comics. And for every uh, multiversity, <laughs> you know, you can turn around and say, he wrote Transmetropolitan, right? Was that, was that him? I um, think so. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, or you can... Uh, I don't know. Just uh, any of it, because Animal Man. There we go. Uh, yeah, a lot of people really liked his Animal Man stuff. Or his uh, new, so, ex- new X-Men. Yeah. So it's a, just a matter of which Grant Morrison do you get. And in response to something one of our listeners said, or, or one of the people who liked our page said, Grant Morrison also wrote JLA, which heavily featured Kyle Rayner. And Kyle Rayner is one of the lanterns we haven't talked about in all of this, which means, presumably, if this news is true, Kyle Rayner will be one of the lanterns under Grant Morrison's purview. So with his experience with Kyle already, maybe preference for Kyle, who knows, what would that look like? And I actually even had an idea, like a cool idea for where they could go with this, because... It wasn't very long ago, Mark, that we were talking about something called the Cosmic Grail from Earth 15. Oh, shoot. The mysterious, from DC Wicca, the mysterious Cosmic Grail, lost somewhere amidst the 52 universes of the multiverse, is all that remains of the dimension of Earth 15, now entirely barren. Earth 15 is a graveyard universe once home to a virtually perfected Earth prior to the events of Flashpoint as Earth-15 before being destroyed by the man, the mad Superboy Prime. The Cosmic Grail's exact whereabouts are unknown, as it remains hidden somewhere among the many worlds of the multiverse. 
Earth-17's Atomic Knights of Justice of the 21st century is on a mission to seek out the elusive Cosmic Grail, the only weapon that can defend Earth-17 from a threat worse than any nuclear war, Darkseid the Destroyer. So, when you say Green Lantern, and when you say Grant Morrison, one of the things I think of immediately when I think Grant Morrison is trippy, bendy, <laughs> multiverse sort of stuff, and there is a huge you know, Green Lantern untouched portion of the multiverse out there for Grant Morrison to play with in the form of the Cosmic Grail. Works for me. I mean, yeah, in response to the question of which, which Grant Morrison are we getting, I kind of hope it's a merge. <laughs> I mean, you know, because it's, it's not just Grant Morrison. It's going to be Grant Morrison writing cosmic stories. So, and you know, like, you know how, you know, he kind of goes out of his way when he's writing multiverse stories like you know i will i will absolutely sign up for cosmic grant morrison yeah you know what it's like to me it's like this is as close as we would ever get to having alan moore write more green lantern stories you know like the grant the, the the alan moore stuff is like totally trippy and crazy if you look at the what it's given us, like some of like the the coolest like fan favorite like little stuff throughout Green Lantern, Mogo, you know, Blackest like, Night, etc. Mogo, Mogo, Blackest Night, um, Sodom Yat, the mm-hmm. Rotlop fan, the inversions. Yeah, well, I don't know about those being. <laughs> the best speaking of uh, not knowing about being the best we can sit here and talk about how cool it would be to have grant morrison on the title but grant morrison has touched the green lantern universe before quote unquote relatively recently uh but in a form that i know jim didn't like the alpha lanterns so if he created the alpha lanterns and we hated that concept that gives us a peek into what grant morrison maybe thinks or at least thought of the Green Lantern concept, and where would that lead us? Um, yeah, but I mean, like, conceptually, it's not an awful idea. I think execution-wise, it didn't really land. Hmm. But I mean, like, even if I didn't like it exactly it's still a really interesting, trippy concept. And, like, looking back on it, it's like, okay, well, that may not have been, you know, the greatest addition to the Green Lantern mythos. But, I mean, you know, it's it's something cool and new. True. Mark, anything to add about all that? Kyle Rayner or Alpha Lanterns or whatever? Oh, the Alpha Lanterns. Uh it just gives me bad memories. Prepare for cosmic it. surgery. That, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> the it would be interesting overall. I think to see it. It really does depend on if they what they do with these Green Lantern books. I mean, I would like to Morrison doing more Kyle stuff would be interesting. But I it's but if just if Jessica's going to still main, be in the lead. In one, or at least a co-lead in one of the other books, then I don't, I, I can't imagine Kyle getting too much, too much time because they're not gonna, they're, they're not gonna push Hal to the background, not to where he's a pedestrian. Um, so I, 
I would be interested in general to see where Morrison would go. I'd be I I would certainly be willing to roll the dice that it's going to be that it's going to be interesting and worth the ride. I I I don't think we would. I don't think we could say honestly that it would be less interesting or less worth the ride than we've than some of the stuff we've seen like just in the last five years in different books, not just one book in particular. Uh, there have been good things. There have been bad things. So, and even some books that had started out good didn't end didn't end as as well. And some books like Red Lanterns that started out really horribly turned out to be a great book by the time it wrapped up. So I w- I'd be willing to roll the dice. I just would be more. I'm just more enthused that it seems like they they're making a making Green Lantern stuff a higher priority, at least trying to put bigger real. You know, big, bigger names with some at least some experience, not just but more experience in the genre, but even more experience with the characters. Even if it's a little, even if it's general experience with the characters, I like the idea of putting, of putting those kind of writers back on these books just to see, yet to see uh, the difference. Yeah, I mean, even if the Grant Morrison's rumors don't turn out to be true, Dan Jurgens and Scott Snyder. Scott Snyder being one of the biggest DC writers right now. Uh, I guess the other one may be arguably Tom King, the stuff he's doing with Batman and all the uh, like the terrifics and stuff like that. But uh, it's very clear that they're investing back into Green Lantern. So it's just a matter of what are they investing for? Are they preparing for the 80th anniversary that's coming up in like two years? The 10th anniversary of Blackest Night. I mean, are they preparing maybe to up the brand a bit more for in hopes of maybe the Green Lantern movie we still haven't heard anything about? I mean, like, or are they just doing it because it's one of their floundering titles right now and they want to build it back up? But at the same time, like, it, it seems like a more of a power move than anything. So if they if it's just one of their floundering flagships and they just want to build it back up, there are other ways to subtly build it out without throwing huge names at it. So it makes me—that's what makes me think they're building it up for something. I just don't know what. That's true. They—they they could just be building it up to sell better. Hmm. I—I I mean, the when when you consider how big Green Lantern was for Blackest Night, you know how many additional books were, you know, sold, spin-offs and, you know, even like regular books that tied into it, however loosely. Um and, you know, like the the foundation is there. Like, you know, mm-hmm. if you have somebody who can push it to that level, then, you know, you have a whole bunch of characters. You have a very rich mythos that's just kind of like languishing over on your side. And I mean, and with with Simon and Je- Jessica, like kind of one of the one of the, the benefits of it is that like you can add diversity into your your universe relatively easy by you know by virtue of what the you know the book is about. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it really is something that they should be investing more in. I, I think like. They had to wait a certain amount of time to kind of like let the stigma from you know the movie die down, but maybe like they're they're saying okay now it's time and let's amp this up again. Um, 
All right. Anything else we want to say about the power moves with Green Lantern, Jurgen, Snyder, or uh, Grant Morrison before we move on to the next thing? Um, I'm good. Not really. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> okay. So as we record this, it was two days ago that uh, the awesome, awesome Venom movie released its official trailer. And I say official trailer because the first bit of, uh, you know, video that we saw was technically a teaser. So this is the first official trailer from Venom. And like always, we'll play the audio here uh, on our end. And then uh, as soon as it's over, we'll react. I'm on the... You, I'm on YouTube, and I'm on the Sony Pictures Entertainment page looking at Venom Official Pro Trailer HD in case anybody wants to go look it up on their end. Um, but I'll go ahead and play that here now, and we'll talk about it as soon as it's done. You should be extremely afraid. Thank you for bringing us collectively to this moment. It is a moment that so many have dreamed of claiming... History starts today. The guy you work for is an evil person. I don't work for him. My firm works for him. Are you going to behave yourself tomorrow? I told you I'm going to do my job. I'm a reporter. I follow people that do not want to be followed. What about the allegations that you recruit the most vulnerable for tests that end up killing people? Your time to go. You finished, Mr. Brock. Is that a threat? You had to learn how to hide in plain sight. I'm pretty good at it. But you, you suck. Whoever you are. I work at the Life Foundation, and I need your help. We found something. We call them symbiotes. Carlton Drake believes that the union between human and symbiote is the key to our evolution. I'm feeling really sick. I'm hearing a voice. Eddie. You're not real. You were just in my head. I'm gonna need Mr. Drake's property back. I don't know. Why would we do that? If you're gonna stay, you will only hurt bad people. The way I see it, we can do whatever we want. Do we have a deal? Are you willing to sacrifice? The one thing you hold most dear. You should be extremely afraid. What the hell are you? We are Venom. Awesome. <laughs> we know I'm going to go off on it, so... I know you guys both had <laughs> negative reactions about the uh, the teaser when it first came out. So go ahead. What do you think about this? Go ahead, Jim. <laughs> uh, hot garbage. <laughs> now, um, listen, I, I stick to my guns. The teaser 
was just a dumb move. They should not have put it out. They should have waited for this. This was this was great. I mean, it was a really good, you know, trailer. And, like, what you see at the end of this trailer, where, like, when the the stuff goes over his head to create the head, like, like that right there, like, that's what sells it. Yeah. Marker? I, yeah, I'm... I'm I think this is much, obviously this is much, much better than the teaser trailer. And I think in considering how quickly this was released after the teaser trailer <laughs> in the big picture of things, and because it, obviously they wanted to get this trailer out to be to be put on Infinity War, which is the, the main reason it's coming out you know, this week. By the way, I'm so excited to see this on the big screen tomorrow night. Yeah, it, <laughs> <laughs> that the reality is that they should have just waited, and they should they didn't they didn't need that teaser trailer because that that's because that's again an example of some of uh, of somebody being tone deaf and not realizing how it, whether it's whether it's the stu- whether it you know this could be one of those examples how people always try to blame the studio for everything. This could be whether it's either the studio was tone deaf or somebody was tone deaf because they had to re- they had to realize. That they were going to catch hell from that trailer because if, if you're doing a trailer for Venom and you don't see any Venom, that's a, that's kind of that's kind of a problem. Not even you know not even really a. This makes you feel a little bit. Certainly makes you feel better about the special effects. It makes you feel a little bit better about the dynamic between you know Eddie, and they, they still pronounce the sim you know the, the whole. They're, they're symbiote. Yeah, they pronounce that friggin' weird. But then again, Magneto's pronounced weird too, and the word is magnet. So I mean, there's kind of a history of that. I mean, it really should be symbiote because the word is you know symbi it's symbiotic. It's symbiotic. It's a, you know you have a symbiotic relationship, so it should be a symbiote. Uh, but I, I have more hope for it now. It still makes you wonder how much of the you know fully defined venom you're gonna see. In the movie, uh, as as opposed to black goo, just yeah, kind of off yeah of him. you still, I, yeah. I still kind of have, you know, my no pun intended, my spider sense is tingling here that you might only get like <laughs> you might get seventy five percent of the movie being the, all this all the tendrils and the and everything else shooting out, and you only get maybe maybe if you're lucky twenty five percent or less of Venom screen time that will actually be him looking like Venom. So some of the dialogue, you know, some of the the, the dialogue and stuff doesn't didn't do much for me. That kind of seemed a little cheesy. Parts of it. Uh, what dialogue though? Come uh, on. Like you're working for the evil. You know, your man, your boss is you know an evil man. Oh, that. Or, okay. Yeah, stuff like that. I don't mean I don't mean Eddie himself. I just mean some of the some of the exchanges with other. Because I was gonna say the fact that they went with hardcore with the the dual personality thing, the the wheeze jumping in and. Eddie walking down the street talking to talking to Venom, but talking essentially to himself, saying, you know, if we're going to do this, we're only going to go after the bad people. And then the, the I don't know who's doing the voice of Venom, but that sounded awesome. It's like, I'm not even going to try to do it, but the way it's like, the way I see it, we can do whatever we want. <laughs> it was just like, oh, shit. <laughs> and I don't know, the effects, the, 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 the way he's referring to the symbiote and the way he's talking to it, the way they're talking to each other, uh, that's, I don't know, it's pretty freaking sick. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. Thoroughly. <laughs> I, 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 will say, I will say one criticism I have about the suit, and I guess it depends on, like, because this is still a trailer, 
they're presumably still doing work on it. It's not like they finished working on it and it's ready to go, you know, this far in advance of October. But it almost looks like, you know, how some CGI sometimes when it's unfinished looks wet. Yeah, but that that could be by choice for for Venom. True, it, it, yeah. it could be by choice, but it, it just looks almost too shiny. But I guess I mean, depending on how the movie works out, depending. Uh, that's another thing too is when we see Venom fully formed, he's essentially standing still. Some CGI looks much different when it's fully in motion. So I mean, that's that's just going to be something we'll have to wait and see in either future trailers or until the movie itself. But I flipped when I saw this. So, it certainly helps. Sorry, Jim. It certainly helps erase a lot of the stench from the first trailer. I think that I think, and And the fact that they're going to put this in front of Infinity War, the amount of people that are going to see Infinity War, holy crap! And because it's come out so soon after the first stinky, relatively stinky teaser trailer, I think that will (laughs) help erase the damage, as opposed to. How long, like, is a perfect example. After the Green Lantern, you know, first trailer came out and people didn't, people hated it. A lot of people hated it so much. Look how long it took them to show other footage. So that, so that stench just, you know, get, had a real chance to permeate and dig deep and, t- and dig deep. You couldn't get, you, you couldn't Febreze that thing away if you wanted to. So I think, th- I think they were, they were smart to have this come out as quickly as they did. Putting it on Infinity War was a no brainer. They probably just would have been better off holding off and not even doing a, doing the teaser, especially for a movie that's not coming out until October. This could very easily have been the first trailer, and you didn't need that one at all. So, I, I mean, like the other possibility would have been like if you had just like black, you know, and you hear some lines of dialogue, you know, and then like a close up of like the symbiote like swirling around in that jar or whatever like that. And it's, like, just a quick, like, 10, 15-second teaser. Like, that's what teasers used to be. Right. You know, teasers, like, before they were, like, mini-trailers, they were just an absolute tease. They could have went that route. But regardless of all of that, um, I mean, like, it's this is a good trailer. This, this shows me things that I want to see, you know, in the movie. I, you know, like, I like, I like Hardy. I think he'll probably give a good performance. At this point, it's going to come down to did they, you know, did they come up with a good enough story? I mean, it's it's very likely that they did, considering that, you know, I, I mean, like this is the same company that gave us, well, you know, two really good Spider-Man movies and and a third one. You know, like, <laughs> like conceptually speaking, like they're they're not. You know, they're not, they're not batting zero. So you've got that aspect, and then you, they, there has to be a good balance of Venom. Like you said, like, you know, you don't know if it's going to be 75% tendrils and 25% Venom fully formed. I mean, like, if this movie is 25% Venom fully formed, that's a hell of a lot. But, you know, like, I would like to see Venom, like, in creation, like sometime it doesn't have to happen by the, the first half of the movie but I want to see him fully formed not long after the first half you know like we can get tendrils for like the first like quarter to half but then I want to see him fully formed 
And then he doesn't need to be fully formed the rest of the movie, but I want to know that he could go fully formed at any point. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be sick, regardless. I, I, I stood by this movie the minute I saw the teaser. I, I, I maybe uh, biased <laughs> uh, in, in that, but at the same time, like, I, I'm, it just feels so good to be vindicated. That's basically all I'm saying. <laughs> no, it, it really looks sick, and I can't wait to see it. Uh, as we record this, it's Wednesday. Uh, tomorrow night, I'm going to go see Infinity War after work and it's i i'm i gotta say i'm almost almost as excited to see this trailer on the big screen as i am to see infinity war itself because <laughs> i just can't wait because i because i've seen the trailer so many times i'm just gonna look over at my sister and my brother-in-law and my friend tara and just watch their reactions and see if they freak out <laughs> when they see this trailer because i know none of them have seen it yet uh <laughs> so that's gonna be awesome <laughs> and i can't wait to see that um, is there anything else we wanted to say about Venom before we move on? Because I, I could just gush for hours. I'm, I'm happy for you, Chad. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate it. There's one bit of uh, unscheduled news I wanted to just talk about because it was released uh, on the wires, so to speak, uh, insofar as it was comic book-related news that was picked up by companies like uh, our article uh, uh, journalism websites like Variety and so on and so forth. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw it, but I definitely freaked out. Steven Spielberg to direct Black Hawk. Did you all see that? I did see it. Crickets. Crickets. No, I did read something about that. Uh, the screenplay for Black Hawk is being written by David Koch, K-O-E-P-P, who has collaborated, collaborated with Spielberg as a screenwriter on the blockbusters Jurassic Park. The Lost World Jurassic Park, War of the Worlds, and Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Uh, <laughs> Spielberg will produce the film with Christy Maxco Krieger under the Amblin Entertainment banner, while Sue Kroll will executive produce under her Kroll and Company Entertainment shingle. So, evidently Spielberg is getting into the superhero game, which is technically not a superhero game. It's more of a period yeah. piece when we're talking Blackhawks. Yeah, really. But it is it is a DC Comics property, uh, and it's the Blackhawks, who, as if anybody doesn't know, the Blackhawks are a World War II-era team of uh, pilots who essentially, they're from, they're from various countries, uh, not all the same countries, so it's not like it's like the French military or anything like that, <coughs> excuse me, but uh, who all band together to run missions. Sometimes they're helping the allies, sometimes they're delivering, you know, going, you know, where nobody else dares to go and dropping off supplies. It's just, essentially, it's a World War II uh, era band of rogue, uh, by rogue, not particularly assigned, I mean, not particularly assigned to any particular nation, uh, rogue uh, group of pilots running missions and stuff during World War II. I don't know. It's, I like the Blackhawks. And the fact that you put Spielberg on a World War II era uh, movie and it's the Blackhawks, I, I'm, I'm in. I don't care what happens, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> a movie about World War II pilots. Hooray! Finally, something we've never seen before. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, this is... I mean, but it's, you, gotta, you, gotta, you gotta think of, like, the possibilities, though, like... 
what if we see like Sergeant Rock and and all these other people from the various war era stuff that DC put out? Yeah, I don't really don't really care. <laughs> maybe, maybe if Haunted Tank is in there, but that's about it. Gunner and Sarge, Pooch. <laughs> no, none of that stuff. Yeah, I would. Ha- I think it probably would have to. It would have to look really good. You know, it would have to the what was actually on the screen would have to be enticing by itself. I think to try to draw me into, you know, like a, a project like that, as opposed to, it's certainly it's certainly not like by name alone it's going to go. Ooh, yeah, I want to go see that. Oh, I can't wait. Or I can't wait to go see that because, you know, because let's let's be honest. Uh, and and I like Spielberg a lot, but you know, he hasn't exactly been gold lately. As in far and that oh, if it's a Spielberg movie, you have to go see it. You know, it's not like the. It's not like, you know, the magic is not quite there anymore <laughs> the way it used to be. Yeah, I haven't seen Ready Player One yet. It's on my really? list to go see it, so, but I haven't so seen it yet. That surprises me that you haven't considering how high. Well, I mean, I, I definitely, I, I definitely want to see it. It's just scheduling wise, I'm coming up on the end of my contract at my current job, so I'm applying for other jobs and all this other stuff. My mom was in town recently, so just since it came out, I've had other things to do, so I haven't purposely set aside time to go see it yet yeah i have to make time to see it too maybe thursday (laughs) (laughs) when you can't get when you can't get into infinity war (laughs) oh yeah i got four tickets for opening night the day those tickets went live (laughs) so speaking of let's why don't we delve into that briefly before we wrap this puppy up uh so obviously, by the time this actually gets released, Infinity War will actually be out. <laughs> so in theory, if Chad wasn't tr- avoiding spoilers at such a high level, we, even on the, the most bare bones spoilers, we could at least allude to because of the fact that it, no, but we can't because Chad has been one of those people that doesn't want to know anything. So, well, sometimes to- I'll look up spoilers, but I mean, this is no, the I, ultimate I, event no, I'm, I'm only, I'm of only, ten years. I'm only busting on you. There are actually, there are actually some movies that I don't actively seek spoilers for, though I will admit they tend to, they tend to be more of the smaller movies than, than the bigger movies, as opposed to Jim and I who have been talking about spoilers for like two days. <laughs> now, the yeah. only thing I know is the only thing I wanted to know was how many after the credit scenes are there. Yes. There's one. There's there's one. Uh, so. Spoiler alert! No, yes, that's that that that, and and we don't need to go into would need to go into spoilers heavily anyway because obviously we'll be doing our review episode, you know that should be the next one we release so then we can go heavy on the spoilers. The only thing that will be the in the most general term the thing that will be interesting to see is how I'm very interested to see how people react to this movie. I'm also interested to see how I react to this movie, but I, but that's one of the reasons why when people say oh how can you why do you why do you like read this stuff before you go in because Maybe it's the writer in me, but sometimes it's kind of like how people, how when you go, when people who make the movies and go, like, go and sit in, in actual theaters to see how people react to it, because they like getting the, the visceral reaction of seeing how people respond in the moments that they are supposed to respond to, pro or con. Sometimes I like doing that too. I like seeing, knowing what's coming in a particular moment and, and just seeing how people who don't know what's coming, see how. See how the audience reacts to to it. Besides just hearing the chit chat, like after the movie, whether they liked it or not. But I'll be very curious to see how this movie, how this movie plays, and how people will react to it, based on everything that I've heard about what happens in it. So I'm going. I'm curious about that. 
and I'm also, you know, the, the the as we speak, you know, the tomato meter score on Rotten Tomatoes is 86, which is still pretty good. You know, it's not Black Panther, it's not Thor Ragnarok. I don't, I don't even know. I don't even think it's Civil War. I don't think. <laughs> but it's not Ant Man. No, well, it's actually, I think. I, to be fair, Thor I think it is. <laughs> I think it is better than Ant Man. To be fair, uh, but. It's, it's, let's put it this way, it's not Ultron, it's not the Age of Ultron either, and it's certainly not Thor Dark World, but I would have to suspect a little bit that Marvel's a little, what was kind of hoping for at least another 90 score, which it still could technically get to, but since it's been kind of hovering in the mid-80s, you know, hovering in the mid-80s since, since the Tomato Meter score came out, and, it's, and I think it peaked at 90, and went and dropped back down again, I think it's, I, pro, it's probably going to be somewhere in the high 80s or mid-80s. So I'm just wondering. I'm yeah. I'm just really curious to see how the audience is going to react to this and everything that happens in this movie. Whether they're going to be happy with it or whether there's going to be pushback a little from it. I wouldn't expect it to be Last Jedi pushback no matter what. But there's a chance that I think there is a there is a chance that there could be more people unhappy with this movie than certainly people that probably a higher percentage of people might be disappointed that certainly thought that they would have thought that they would be going in so that's why I'm just curious to see how it plays or maybe every maybe the way everything actually plays out in the screen regardless of what it is people are going to be really invested in it and it's going to work and knowing that there's only you know another Avengers 4 is only a year away that maybe it makes some of that stuff you know the unanswered questions maybe it makes it more palatable but I'll be very I'll be very curious to see how the fans react so that's pretty much all I, I heard. Do. What, Jim? I heard that uh, it's a little bit better than Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> an, an hour of like the two hour plus, like, like the two hour thirty plus running time could be a could be blank, and it probably would be better than Justice League. <laughs> this is where you use your imagination, and it's like, yes, that was great. Uh, no, I would uh, suspect no matter, even if they were, I I don't think it could, would fans would think that it's worse than Justice League no matter what. So, <laughs> I know you're kidding. But I, I, I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be good. I just think because of... Supposedly it takes a lot of risks. Let's put it that way. It's not a... It's not your formulaic Marvel movie the way we've come to I see mean, it. it. I mean, it can't be. No, I know. I, I mean, know that... logically... I know for the most part, logically, it couldn't be. But even though, again, logically we know that going in, there are so many beats that you expect to happen in these movies that some some you get, some you don't, some you get in different ways. That it still could, like I said, I'm this one. I'm really, I'm fa- I'm going, I'm just fascinated to see how people take to this movie overall, including myself. Like I said, until I see it on the screen, and of course by the time this comes out, at least Chad and I will have already seen it on the screen. I'll be, I'll, I'm. I, I don't know when Jim's going to go see it, but I will just be curious to see how all of us react to it along with the general public, and that's what interests – that's what really interests me about about this. So that's uh, all. I mean I – oh, sorry. No, it's okay. I was done. Good. Uh, I'm not going to – I'm not going to say any spoilers. I'm just – I'm very excited to finally see Squadron Supreme on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. All right. Well, before we close out, uh, Jim, <laughs> Jim, do you want to tell people where they can find your stuff across the net? Oh, um, yeah, basically, uh, 
every once in a while we put out a new episode for Sliders Cast at sliderscast.com. And uh, I'm still doing a drawing a day and uh, somewhere over 400 now. That's at Joanata on Instagram. That's about it. Coolio. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Oh, so. And uh, Mark, do you want to tell people how they can find us? I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Lanterncast.com. The email is lanterncast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. Hashtag GLCast to locate us on those. iTunes and Stitcher, whichever platform you listen to us on, since we are on both, please leave us a positive review. And last but not least, 708 Lantern is the voicemail. Let us know what you think, despite the fact you've all failed miserably in leaving us reviews for the superhuman trafficking. (laughs) We forgive you! Maybe. (laughs) Let this be on your head. <laughs> All right, guys. Next episode is our uh, spoiler-filled breakdown and review of In- Avengers: Infinity War. So, if you're not prepared to have it spoiled, then don't listen until you're ready. But otherwise, it's going to be awesome. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. So long.